Well, hi there, folks, and welcome to the governance update. I don't know why I've gone all folksy. It's because I'm looking at <laughs> Stephen Cooper and his, his get-up today. You're downstaging me repeatedly, Steve, with your attire. I, th I thought I'd just get rid of the, the jacket and business shirt today just to blend in a bit more, but you've gone the extra mile. Chris, I had a hunch you'd go a bit more bucolic, so it was really important that I reinforce the message of summer series that it's still summer. Uh, yeah, and this will be the penultimate summer series governance update. Uh, always good to have an opportunity to use that word also. Absolutely. Now, what's, what's on your mind this week? Um, uh, well, Chris, I think... Oh, um, actually, before you go, what's the shirt you're wearing? I just saw a glimpse. Paul Kelly, is it? It is Paul Kelly, Chris, and I'm really glad you mentioned that because I have a plan. Um, yeah. it's, a, it's a shirt that I got um, as a gift I got some merch after we went to a Paul Kelly concert a couple of years ago. But here's our challenge for today, Chris. I've written down the names of five Paul Kelly songs, and we're going to see if we can't play Paul Kelly bingo as we talk all things governance. <laughs> well, Paul Kelly governance, of course. You know, how can you separate the two now? Um, who Am I meant to recognise these five Paul Kelly song references? Oh, no, I think JLF can do it. We'll just bat on. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, excellent. All right, well, there's a bit happening. And now, firstly, can I say, with the Facebook news <laughs> brouhaha that's happening this week, I don't know whether you get your news from Facebook, Steve. I certainly don't. But uh, the VLGA, LG Pro, who I've been working with, I see the MAV, the Local Government Professionals Australia, all of their Facebook pages are down. So... This is where we come into our own. The VLGA well, <laughs> Connect Governance Update is your single source of the news. For local well, government. Chris, can I just off the bat say thank you for that opening because I can actually say that I only get my gossip from um, Facebook. Um, I usually go to Twitter or YouTube for news. And, in fact, that's the preparation we did today. I just Googled Council Victoria News last week. Oh, is that <laughs> it's how it's amazing done? what you find. <laughs> is that how it's done? So what did you find, Stephen? Well, Tell me. Well, today, Chris, uh, um, there's, there's a bit of a furore going on in the inner suburbs because the Yarra, Moreland and Darabin councils have engaged with uh, or are calling for expressions, I think, from local community members to get involved in a program with a bit of activism around the climate change topic. And all of those... Uh, all of those councils have declared a climate change emergency. So in accordance with their policies, it's rolled out this program. Now, from, I presume, some that don't really believe in climate change, um, that's caused a bit of upset. But it got me to thinking of the bigger issue around, well, how do councils actually advocate? And what's a traditional model where, that we would have used? Ooh, council resolution and writing to a minister, for example, and that maybe from time to time councils will be engaging with local communities on areas that are priorities for those councils. So I was thinking, Chris, you know, maybe rural councils on topics around road funding and freight and all sorts of things like that would or could um, engage with local communities to assist the advocacy campaign. So I guess a call to not be particularly outraged by that. Yeah, I don't see the problem, quite honestly. What's, what's the issue? I'm not, oh, well, it, I mean, there is this argument that gets trotted out that councils should focus on roads, rates and rubbish, which has always yeah. been used as the anti-advocacy um, argument. But 
equally, if you've got three councils whose stated policy is very strongly in, in terms of taking action in relation to climate change, for me, it's no great surprise that those councils would take that action. And as I said, I think it's really a call for councils to be more innovative and more engaging with their communities about the issues on which they're advocating. And I would think that those particular councils, uh, the, the candidates that ran and were ultimately elected, probably had very strong platforms in relation to those issues. Am I wrong? I would have presumed, Chris, in those three councils that um, climate change activism would come as no surprise to ratepayers. Therefore, there's probably a, a strong community expectation that they're going to be going down that path. Anyway, we'll let others be the judge of that. Can I throw one at you that caught my eye, Steve, this oh, week? Chris. That is an expectation from the Commonwealth now under some new legislation that all councils across Australia will notify the Commonwealth of um, foreign arrangements, I think is the official term, but it includes sister city arrangements and it also includes some obligations around intentions to enter into new arrangements such as sister city relationships. So um, interesting one and another, I guess, compliance um, item that councils are going to need to put on their list. I would say so, Chris, and we don't normally stray into the deeper water that is local and federal relations. Um, so thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that. Um, I suspect a lot of councils, I mean, again, it's not no great surprise. The feds have been talking about um, greater control, particularly in relation to China and so on. But I think a lot of councils would see that as another layer of reporting to another level of government that would seem to offer very little by way of value to local communities. I'll leave it there. Yeah, good talk. Uh, community grants. You've seen some councils starting to ramp up their activity in that space. Yeah, so in my Google trawl, uh, Chris, I found a couple of councils had advertised uh, rounds of community grants being available. And it reminded me that um, in this COVID environment where economic stimulus is going to be required, it would seem until the vaccines fully rolled out and maybe a bit longer, that councils as an agency for various sorts of community funding, uh, that that role will be quite important. Um, and I think in that sense, Chris, um, it's probably a timely reminder to think what are the kind of characteristics of a good grants program? There's a bit of a recipe to it, isn't there, Steve? Well, it's not exactly like how to make gravy and thank you for giving me the opportunity to go down that one, Chris. In fact, I wasn't going to go there immediately. I hope that one saved up for later. <laughs> Sorry. No, but it is. And, and it doesn't it go back to some of the service standards of council. And the first being that the grants program is accessible to, to and targeted at those who need it. So it shouldn't be a program that just means that those um, businesses or organisations who are able to write the grants automatically um, find a way to the top. And I know a number of councils are doing a bit of outreach kind of work to skill up um, businesses and community groups in how to make these applications and what an assessment criteria actually looks like. Or a funding That's criteria. something I think most councils probably do. If not, uh, uh, I'd be surprised if they don't because it's been recognised for quite some time that the very people that would benefit most from these grants opportunities don't necessarily have the skills or the knowledge to be no. able to navigate a bureaucratic, let's face it, a bureaucratic it's process. So, you know, councils should be giving them as much assistance as they possibly can to help them compete on a level playing field. 
I'd say so, Chris. I think the thing we learnt from some issues at the federal level um, in the last couple of years is the importance to of that traceability of making sure that there is an assessment table and that as we go through the approvals process from the officer compiling the assessment to the panel that is reviewing the grants before they go up to council, to the council, that it is very clear how uh, the allocations are made against um, against the assessment criteria and if there are changes that the reasons for those changes are clearly and transparently documented because the, you know there are you know these are community assets that are being applied and there are potential sort of misuse of position kind of issues that might arise okay. otherwise yeah How, how's our game of bingo going steve our okay. game of bingo i don't i think will be finished reasonably soon it won't go so long that i will need my winter coat Chris, thank you for asking. <laughs> okay. Um, now, something at Mansfield's caught your eye and you're Googling this week? Well, it was really just... And we talk about the fact that local government provides services right across the community, and it was just fascinating. When I happened to click on news for the Mansfield Shire Council, the first item was that they are embarking on the undertaking of an aged care service review, and this has been a really topical matter for councils and you can imagine at a place like council the role that it should play in association with other providers in regards to aged care is a really key strategic issue so props for that but then the other part was that the council has received state government funding for a sleep and settling service for the parents of small children um, so we're addressing needs at the other end of the spectrum as well so props to Mansfield Council for both of those projects I think good work. Isn't that just a great example of the breadth of work that councils do in the community from, from one end of the spectrum to uh, pretty much the other? I think that's a really nice way that you put that. Chris. I didn't want to use the other. <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> Let's not. The one that's more commonly no. used. And more permanent. Let's not use that <laughs> in the summer series. Indeed. Um, Casey, also on your radar, City of Casey. Uh, yeah, interesting, Chris. Um, just tucked away on their website, um, a couple of points down is that there's been a rate scam in Casey uh, that they're alerting their community to where people have been ringing up and um, asking ratepayers to pay their rates immediately in order to receive a discount and giving the bank account details where um, the person purporting to be from the council says that the money should be paid to. Now, you... What would you notice to be a bit odd about the promise of a discount, Chris? Well, I'm not aware of any council ever offering a discount to pay your rates. You know, you have pensioner rebates, but that's going to appear on your rate notice. And um, more to the point, I'm not aware of a council that will actually ring you up and offer you a discount if you pay now. That seems a bit odd too. No, it's not true to form, is it, Chris? But, I mean, there are right. people out there who who are obviously potentially duped by this sort of thing. Apparently it works that the, the recipient of the money then pays the council, sends a receipt, but then um, reports uh, a wrong payment through the credit card and the council refunds the money to them. So leaving the, uh, leaving the rate payer with the rate uh, bill still open. So really a flag for, um, have a look out for that if you're involved in the rating space and maybe councils should also not a bad thing to alert their communities to that sort of phone scam. 
it just always uh, seems to me if these scammers would put their very, very clever minds to things that have greater benefit for community, we'd all be better off. I tell you, they're just, they're just way too smart for their own good, aren't they? Well, I think they are. And, and look, it, it, and I mean, some of these scams are quite realistic. You know, the sort of stuff that you get on email, at times you do have to look twice to see if something's real. And um, it just doesn't pay to be careless, Chris. No. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, oh, that's bingo, by the way. <laughs> tick. Um, all right. Uh, perhaps one more. Uh, community engagement policies are due by the 1st of March. Have you seen many examples of good policies out there? So I've got to say, I haven't been running around looking for community engagement policies or the engagement on engagement, but in my little trawl this morning, um, props to Yarra Rangers Shire Council, their community engagement policy is out for consultation at the moment. 15 pages, easy to read, highly principled document about being meaningful, authentic, responsive, and that the internal work will be deliberative, consistent and coordinated and Simple to read, look like good policy. Well done. Good folk there at Yarra Rangers. When you said engagement on engagement, it took me back, Steve. It took me back to the best value service review days and those councils that had a best value function. So, therefore, they conducted a best value service review into their best value service review. It's, it's, <laughs> it just seems a rather circular bureaucratic yeah, and I'm just wondering, always wondering those things. Who's reviewing the reviewer, Chris? It's um, <laughs> Indeed. We just get bogged down there. Indeed. Um, sorry, we're starting to show our age in the sector, aren't we? Um, just, um, I, I do want to just point you to what I thought was a great piece on the IBAC website, Stephen. It's probably worth a little more time than we've got left today to talk about. But Joseph Hall at IBAC has published a piece on what they look for when they're assessing a complaint and which way to take it. I know you've had a look as well, and it's it's quite impressive, isn't it? Yeah, and thanks for drawing that to my attention, Chris. I thought it was a, an easy-to-read piece that laid out sequentially the steps that IBAC go through when a complaint's received um, to make that decision as to, to whether they will launch a more formal investigation and... Um, easily found on the IBAC website. I'd commend it to um, anyone with an interest in that integrity space. Excellent. Um, all right, how did we go? Are we are we there? Have we filled the bingo sheet? Oh, we did it two or three minutes ago, Chris, but thank oh, you for asking. I must have missed one. Okay, <laughs> well, I'm sure JLF probably missed it, but I missed the, missed the signal. Well done, Steve. Thank you, as always. You've got one more Summer Series episode left in you. I can't wait to see what you uh, produce for the next week's episode. I'm not sure the viewers should be too excited about that, Chris. I think people have far more important things uh, on their plates than uh, my attire for Summer Series. Thanks, Steve. Always great to catch up on the world of governance in local government around this wonderful state of Victoria uh, free from lockdown this week, and we're all very happy about it. Thanks, Steve. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Chris. And that's the governance update for this week. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again for another edition very soon. <laughs>